0: McMinnville, Oregon, this is Criss Crossing Science, the podcast that goes round and round. I'm Michael Crosser. Of course, you know Chad Silberg, And today's title is Another Tired Topic. Hey, Chad.
1: Good morning, Michael.
0: So I was just thinking that the weather is changing. It's getting a little bit colder out there. Mm-hmm. And... It reminded me that I went out and I I wanted to check all the tire pressures on all the vehicles that my family has. And and then I started just going down the rabbit hole of like, well, that's, it's interesting. Why do we do that? And it's interesting, you know, all sorts of things about it. So
1: (laughs) you mean, why do we, why are we concerned about the safety of our family members' vehicles? Hey, oh, is that, why am I doing this?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I bought each of them their own pressure gauge. I don't know why. (laughs) They don't do it themselves. (laughs)
1: Why am I doing this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting because well-inflated tires do a lot for us, such as they Mm -hmm. provide good traction, especially in Mm -hmm. inclement weather. They help with shock absorption and they help make the vehicle more gas efficient. So you can save money when you're driving.
1: I seem to remember this being some sort of just ridiculously stupid controversial issue in an election in the years past when a certain candidate suggested that keeping tires inflated would go a long ways fossil fuel use do you remember this no I don't yeah as you say it's the fuel efficiency gains of that would make a big difference yeah I mean
0: I will say it is it is noticeable I actually tracked my gas consumption carefully over well several years but I I could actually see in the winter months suddenly my my
1: efficiency would drop consistently I completely believe that this is a thing that you would quantify yeah yeah no that's great
0: and i i somewhere on facebook i, I actually posted my results and it was like oh well, that's kind of cool That'd... so you published it even and it was peer-reviewed because you know a lot of my peers <laughs> saw it so. lots of comments
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah so you can definitely save money at the gas pump mm-hmm. if you have properly inflated tires it turns out about every month or so you'll you will lose just about one psi pound per square inch that's the units that here in the united states we use I actually don't know what is used in the rest of the world, but about every month you lose one PSI. So you really Mm. should be checking your tire pressure every month, just Mm. as a general rule. But especially this time of year when in the Northern Hemisphere, it's starting to get colder, about a 20 degree change in temperature, Fahrenheit, causes another PSI of change in your tires. Mm. Okay. And so when it gets colder outside, that's usually when your tire pressure gauge will yell at you in the morning when you get in on a cold morning
1: for the first time. Yeah, that definitely happens to me. And I assume that this has something to do with the kinetic energy of those gas molecules.
0: Yeah. And we could just do a a simple ideal pressure gas law, right? That PV (laughs) equals NKT Uh and a change in temperature of in Kelvin. So if you're going about 10 degrees change of Kelvin... Which is about 20 degrees Fahrenheit. You know, we're at about 300 Kelvin. If we increase by 10 or decrease by 10, then that's you know whatever percentage. But 30 psi is a typical car pressure rating, right? Mm-hmm. And so that has to decrease by the same amount. So increase by 10, increase by one over on the other side. So mm-hmm. uh, also, I would recommend that everybody get their own tire gauge for their car. I keep one just in my glove box. Yeah, and I same. bought one for each of my kids and and my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they keep theirs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you think they're still in the package?
0: (laughs) Mine, I actually keep in my package. It stays in the the little... Of
1: course you do. You don't want it to get dinged up. Exactly. Bouncing around in your glove box with the other things that are probably all still in their packages.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Now, you could buy just a cheap one, which is what I have always done in the past, which is one of these. It has it's like a little slide whistle type thing where you press it into the wheel well and it pops out a certain amount. And that's what you read. That's what Um, I've
1: got. And I have always thought about it exactly as a slide whistle as well. (laughs) that's interesting yeah in fact sometimes i make the little sound when i push it onto the the little stem and the slide whistle part comes out sometimes i go or i guess it would be right it would get it would go lower lower, yeah yeah Yeah, okay
0: but digital ones now are more accurate and less likely to they don't have any moving parts so they're going to stay accurate for longer and they only cost like 10 to 15 bucks anyway so i mean you could get one of the slide whistle ones for a dollar or two or buck up and spend a little bit more When you do check your tires, you should do it before you start driving around. So when the tires are cold, Mm -hmm. it turns out when you've driven not really that far, like only drive for like five or 10 minutes or so, and the temperature inside the tires themselves will actually, just by driving that amount, will heat up significantly to the point where, again, I personally have measured a, a... increase of like three to four PSI. Hmm. And so that is a noticeable difference that you can actually see.
1: It's also the noticeable difference that my uh, little tire low tire warning can see. Yeah, And uh, so sometimes I'm like, oh, fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to add more air to the tires. I just need to drive them a bit.
0: Yeah. But I mean, if you are driving and and while you're driving, you get the alert, you can fill them up, but you have to kind of mentally in your head recognize that you should be aiming for a, a different number than you would otherwise be doing. So I mean, you have to kind of recognize, like, okay, so normally I should be at 30 psi, but since it's hot, I should be aiming for 33 or something like that. Interestingly, I learned this while reading up on things, race car drivers, they always fill up their cars with pure nitrogen gas. They don't use the air that we normally do.
1: Well, okay. So the air is already mostly nitrogen.
0: Yeah, about 80% or so.
1: Yeah. Okay. So just pure nitrogen? Why?
0: Well, apparently the oxygen will escape more quickly than the nitrogen would. And also you have water vapor mixed in there. And so that will change more with the temperature. So they think their thought is that it is less fluctuations happening if they do it that way okay but then that, that led me down a whole other rabbit hole and, and people are like yeah you should not do that for your own car that's just they're driving at the highest of the ability of their vehicles
1: but so me just like cornering around the curves coming down the hill well i have
0: seen you corner those <laughs> those curves and maybe In my minivan have, yeah yeah <laughs>
1: So if there's this issue of tires inflating and deflating and being safe or unsafe, depending on how much air is in there, why have a hollow tire at all that you have to fill with air? Why not just like a sort of solid rubber or Mm. some sort of like, because I mean, you've seen like bikes and stuff with solid rubber tires. And I think I have some small tricycles at home that have solid rubber tires. Why not just scale that up?
0: Well, so early, the earliest cars didn't really use them Either, But the air is actually providing a whole lot of shock absorption. Ah. And so our cars are actually built with the intent of having that shock absorption as well as your shock absorbers doing shock absorption but if you had just you know a solid wheel it would get very bumpy mm-hmm. you know and so like the early cars they were only driving the max speed of the earliest cars were what like 10 miles per hour or something like that mm-hmm. and so if they hit a little rock or a little bump in the road then that didn't matter so much but yeah it would it would be a, a big issue now also it makes it easier to put the tires on in the first place because mm-hmm. you've got this hollow tire that you can just kind of shove on there and then mm-hmm. uh you fill it up and, and it's good to go otherwise you'd have to have a different configuration to get the tires to be mounted in there properly. But also, most people are not, you know, these days, most people are not replacing their tires because they have a blowout or anything like that. Generally, people are replacing the tires when the tread wears down anyway. And so it's not really saving you anything there as far as the destruction of the tire or anything like that. And you'd still be replacing them As regularly as you would now. It seems
1: that, I'm sorry, it it seems that tires have gotten a lot better in the blowout sense. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like when you and I were probably taking driver's ed and stuff a couple decades ago, I remember like, okay, here's what you do when your tire blows out. You know, you 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 don't panic and you right. firmly hold on to the steering wheel and you slowly ease it over to the side of the road. And you know, that was like part of learning to drive was like, Yeah, at some point you're gonna have a blowout because that's what tires do eventually. And but right. like I don't think I've ever had to deal with a blowout at least not in the last 20 years, probably at least. Yeah, I mean,
0: my last two cars didn't even give me a spare tire. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I had a Hyundai before and it it had like a sort of a roadside patch fixer and it would help you pump it up and get to a a place to fix it. Mm -hmm. And... The car I drive now doesn't even do that, mm. which was not a great idea, to be honest with you, because I, I spent uh, several hours, I had to wait for a tow truck to come when I recently had a flat tire.
1: Did you? Did you run over a nail or something?
0: Yeah. And then as I was driving, my car was like, oh, your tire is a little deflated. You should fix that soon. It's was like, okay. And then a few minutes later, it was like, your tire is flat. You should pull over right now. You know, so Oh,
1: geez. In one of our vehicles, we have run flat tires. Have you heard of these? Yeah. So- I don't know what they do. <laughs> it's a model of vehicle like what you're talking about, where a spare tire was not included, but they said, no, these are a kind of tire that even if there is a puncture, it doesn't go flat. And so I'm guessing that must be something about the rigidity of the rubber material itself might be different in some way that it doesn't go yeah. into this sort of flat flopping around kind of Yeah, thing. well, I
0: mean, modern tires now are not entirely rubber anyway. There's a lot of stuff inside that is holding it together. Hmm. Early ones were made entirely out of rubber. Rubber actually comes from there are certain trees that make this gummy stuff that you can do. Yeah, actually, I, I remember I I took a tour of. Edison's house somewhere in Florida. I mean, he had a house up in Detroit, but also he had one down in Florida. And the Florida one was there because he would vacation there with a guy named Firestone. Oh. And uh, and they had a bunch of trees that Edison's people figured out how to make good tires out of them. So
1: hmm. yeah, rubber tapping thing. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's like this latex that comes out of a tree. And so rubber tappers would harvest it by like, cutting these gashes in rubber trees, and then mm-hmm. would leak out and they would harvest all this Latex, and then I, I think there's some sort of like heating process and curing or something. Yeah, um, called vulcanization. Oh, okay. There you go.
0: Yeah, and they yeah. they because they heat it in the presence of sulfur. Ah, uh, and oh, by the way, do you know who did that? Who invented that?
1: Oh, uh Goodyear.
0: Exactly, right. Mister Michelin, or was I don't it know Goodyear? what Michelin did. Yeah, it was Goodyear. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Goodyear. Are you it serious? It was Goodyear.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was. I was just choosing the one that i thought would be ridiculous cuz uh, anyway huh,
0: well charles goodyear did it yeah
1: so <gasps> you, can, you can edit out the part where i sound surprised
0: <laughs> anyway but so nowadays they have probably heard of like the the belt around the the tire belt you know uh, uh-huh. and these are just like some steel cords that are woven into the tire that gives it more strength the sidewalls are now stronger and made out of not just rubber nowadays tires still use natural rubber but they also mix in some synthetic stuff Mm. which have different properties and help it grab the road better and 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 so yeah now we rarely ever blow out and now also the traction itself has very specific patterns for different things Mm. if you're worried about driving in water a lot they have special channels that will push the water out more efficiently and all sorts of things so
1: right okay. so yeah they
0: they rarely blow out and are just kind of wearing out now so
1: yeah so okay why do they wear out then i mean there's the obvious they're in contact with the road but i always think of it as like are they not just kind of rolling along and so what what is it that's yeah. kind of shaving off a little bit through time
0: well you're right so like if we were just rolling if we were to put say a a dot on one part of the tire and follow as the car rolled forward, when this dot came all the way back around to be down again, the car would have rolled exactly the circumference of the tire. That generally when you're rolling, there's no uh, actual sliding or anything of the tire. You're just moving along and it's new tire touching the road at every single instant in time.
1: That doesn't sound like it's wearing anything off. So it must be in the speeding up and the slowing down. Yeah.
0: So as a physicist, I say acceleration, which includes changing direction, speeding
1: up, or even slowing down. Oh, so and, it's negative acceleration. Is that, well, that, that there's such a thing? Or is it deceleration?
0: Yeah. I mean negative acceleration is deceleration and yeah. Okay. So Mathematically, we would not make a difference in any of that. But if you think about it, like, so we're rolling. And so if we're going at a constant speed, then the tire is just, we've got a new bit of tire touching the ground at any given moment. Nothing is really happening there. Nothing's really rubbing or anything like that. But for me to change direction, you know, if I turn the wheel to the left, let's say, ultimately what's happening then is... The momentum of the car wants to keep going forward. It doesn't want to change direction. In fact, in physics, we'll often teach people Newton's laws of motion. And one of them is often worded as an object in motion stays in motion unless a force is acted upon it, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to turn to the left, basically when we turn the the tire, it's really the, the tire then has to push off to the right in order to get us good to go to the left. That's the only point of contact for any friction. It's the friction with the road that is getting us to actually start pushing off in one direction. Okay. Or if I want to start going, if I put my foot on the accelerator, then the tires are trying to rotate and they're pushing backwards against the ground to drive me forward.
1: And so it's not that they're slipping much, but there is like sort of like a micro level. There's that little bit of slippage. Is that what's kind of like shaving off just a minute amount of the the rubber? That the rubber is just
0: going in there and it's kind of grabbing in there and some of it gets left behind. Uh And even when you're braking, I'm not saying that you're doing a hard brake, right? Obviously, we've seen people like and leave like streaks behind. Right. But even when you're just doing normal braking, you are leaving a little bit of this behind in order to pull back and stop the car. Mm-hmm. Now, the best traction that we can get happens when we reduce our contact area. And so that's really why the tread is so important. Yeah, you're making a face at me. So
1: we, yeah, that seems counterintuitive that better traction with reduced contact area.
0: Well, so let's think about this. If I had instead of tires, if I had just a, a slippery bottom uh, to my entire car. OK, that would be sort of spread out the weight evenly distributed across the entire bottom of the car and so oh. be a little bit easier to slide across some things
1: oh I see and okay so, go ahead I think I know where this is going yeah go ahead
0: and so you know when we're actually driving we have four points of contact but you can actually do better than that if you raise up those four points of contact to just individual a handful of spots where it's kind of touching and so but, the
1: entire weight of the car instead of being spread out in like a big broad schmear yeah is focused on these small little points each one of which is pushing down harder yeah and so is that so that's how traction tires work
0: yeah well oh, okay. they could be made out of a slightly different slightly different mixture of rubber and and so forth to make it more sticky or less sticky okay. but yeah so that's basically what's going on there is that we want it to get in contact with the road and have a good grip yeah, and so this is actually important. Also, for if your tires are underinflated, then they're more of ah. the tires actually touching the the road, and so you actually have less traction than you would
1: otherwise. Well, that makes sense.
0: Oh, also speaking of with inclement weather and so forth, if you are on ice, so it's actually safe to just drive straight on ice. Mm-hmm. When you have trouble is when you are trying to accelerate. You know, if you turn, that's when you start sliding. Right. It's also if you speed up or slow down, that's when you start sliding. Right. And that's why people will often say like, if you are on ice or something like that, don't slam the brakes, right? You're supposed to pump the brakes. Although nowadays you're not supposed to pump the brakes because they have anti-lock braking system.
1: Right. And so if you pump the brakes. Right. Right. So it's already doing
0: that for you. Right. But the whole point of that is that, you know, if you do start sliding, you know, nominally the tire is rolling exactly as far as it's going. So if you do start sliding, then it turns out once you start sliding on something, the friction is a lot less than if you have the static friction going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Once you break free, you can be kind of screwed. Right. And
0: so that's why they tell you like turn into the slides that you can get the tires not sliding anymore and then you can regain control.
1: Mm, That makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's counterintuitive and it's something that when I was learning to drive, they they just told me that they're like, oh, yeah, no, you got to turn into the, you know, turn into it and then you can. And yeah. I was like, OK, I, you told me to do that. You must know what you're talking about. But the idea here is that if you are actually sliding, then the friction is a lot less and you have no control. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is to turn so that you can actually be rolling over the ice and then you, you have better friction than you would otherwise. Yeah, that's not yeah. in the outline. That's just bonus. <laughs> Yeah so the so the tread matters. And so but what happens over time is that anytime we're accelerating we're losing little bits of, you know, just a few atoms here, a few atoms there. Not too much, but it adds up over time. Mm. Uh, so let's see. Why don't we get back to why we want properly inflated tires? I mean, we already talked about increasing the surface area. Now mm. we have less traction. But also, if we have flat tires, they flex more with the road. And it's sort of like if it's flexing too much, it'll it's actually kind of grabbing onto the road. And then it, by deforming, kind of grabs onto the, you know, it's changing the shape of it and grabs onto the concrete a little bit more, which sounds like you should have more traction. But the downside of that is you're also ripping off a lot more of the tire. So your the tread will run out a lot sooner than that.
2: Mm. Okay. Okay.
0: And finally, the the biggest issue with that is that you're, the walls of the tire are made to hold their form, but they're intended to have air helping them support it. Uh-huh. Right? And so if you don't have enough air in there, then that is when you can have a blowout. That if, if you're running on underinflated tires they can where it will generally break will be in the wall uh-huh. that's because the intent is that they should be holding the pressure there not not flexing as much as they as they would
1: right that makes me a little, a little bit worried about some of my a couple of tires on a vehicle at home that doesn't get driven very often yeah. they, they sort of slowly leak mm-hmm. and so every time before I drive it every couple of weeks I have to air up one side oh, yeah. but i think the walls of those tires are start is starting to go Mm-hmm. So I should probably just replace them. I think after this, I'm going to call and make an appointment to get those replaced.
0: So we've done something good yeah. here today.
1: Yeah. We, we should shop this episode around for some sponsorship or something. You know, <laughs> you can insert it here. Yeah. I mean, less Schwab. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Uh, so, okay. So I can dig why you would not want your tires to be under inflated sure but why not over inflate them i mean obviously if you inflate them too much you might just burst them because it can't contain all the pressure but what if i'm yeah. supposed to be running at like say 40 psi why not just crank it up to 50.
0: well so you're right that the way we've described things you would actually have better traction because you'd uh-huh. have fewer
1: points of contact
0: so that is better you know more force per area Touching the ground, but it won't be as smooth of a drive. Mm. That's the main part of it. Very unlikely that you would actually pop the tire. Mm. The tires should be rated to a point where they could handle much, 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 much higher pounds per square inch than what they'd tell you to inflate it to. That they could, in theory, handle that. Okay. Um, I, I generally fill them up a little bit above what they're rated for. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, the side door tells me to put it in. And I'm always thinking that, like, ooh, you know, what if it blows up? But it's not going to because they're rated for much higher than that. It just won't pop. But another downside would be that it's possible that if you're really overinflated, you're only really touching the middle part of the tire to the ground, right? And so then you might be more likely to wear out right in the middle of your tire rather than Mm -hmm. evenly over across the entire thing. So yeah, it's better to overinflate than to have underinflated. That's a general rule. So like, you know, if, if you're worried about that, you don't want to check your tires all that often, it is better to overinflate them and just count on them leaking over time. It's better to be overinflated than underinflated. But But there is a sweet spot there where the tire will last the longest and will not be too bad. But that actually reminds me of, let's talk about the environmental impact of the tires. Hang on just one second.
1: I was, because I was thinking about, I mean, this is about car tires, obviously, but I was thinking about other vehicles that have tires Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about the tires on the wheels of an aircraft, like a, Mm. an airliner, Mm -hmm. like a a Boeing or something. Obviously when those things come down and land and the tires kind of go, you know, make that little skid and then start rolling and stuff. Right. And they're actually surprisingly large tires if you get next to them, I think. And so I was just thinking about, well, okay, I wonder if those are way more inflated than on a vehicle, a car, because of all the weight that they're carrying, right? And so I looked it up and the PSI of some of those is uh 220 psi
0: oh yeah and, and normal can... vehicles on the road would be 30 to 40 psi so right
1: yeah so 220 psi and they're able to sustain pressures of up to 800 psi yeah. wow i don't know i just found that really interesting in the context hmm. of like this inflation issue and yeah the well purpose. they would need
0: that right because when you're landing when you're first hitting the ground you have to stop you have to decelerate from the downward motion as mm-hmm. well as you know so the entire weight of the plane doubles essentially. Right. Yeah. Like if it's just the plane just sitting there, that's a certain pressure. But then when you're actually landing, you got to stop it from going downward. And so that's also why tire pressures on cars and stuff are also, they can withstand much higher pressures because, you know, if you launch off of a hill or something and
1: taking it over some sweet jumps, (laughs) (laughs) dukes a hazard style. Exactly. I knew you'd get it. Yeah. You've done that. Yeah. Can can you still slide across a hood and get in a car? Or is that <laughs> <laughs> through
0: an open window, just sliding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. feet first. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I still do that if I can.
1: Okay, next time we go to lunch, I'm going to slide across the hood of your Tesla and <laughs> see if you have anything to say about it.
0: <laughs> I might have something to say. Yeah. <laughs> But one more thing about tires, though, is that we should consider its environmental impact as well, ah. because most tires end up in a landfill mm-hmm. or tied to a tree on
1: a swing. Right. <laughs> there there's... are only so many tire swings that <laughs> we can have.
0: Yeah. So you got two options. Right. So right. and at the moment, there's no way to recover that. You can't really recycle and reuse the rubber it's in a form that can't be at the moment broken down and, and reformed into a, a functioning tire again people have found uses for them where you you can cut them up into small pieces and and that can be a filler of something else but for the most part there's not a big route for recycling them but moreover we're talking about wearing out the tires where's all that material going well it is left on the road and then it rains and then that washes off and goes into the streams and and all sorts of things. And so they're leaving behind micro bits of plastic and rubber and other chemicals that will get into the streams and, and rivers and so forth. Mm. And in fact, fairly recently, there have been a couple of studies showing that coho salmon are particularly affected by a chemical called C six PPD. Mm. Which will really just decimate fish populations. Hmm. And so, and this is a couple of separate studies, one in San Francisco and one up in, uh, in Washington, that they've hmm. done these studies to show that it's very, very bad for fish populations in particular. But also just little bits of microplastics. You know, sometimes you see on the news that they talk about in the ocean, there's microplastics floating around all over the place. Uh-huh. About 75% of that is coming from tire residue. Okay. So it looks like you're looking something up.
1: I'm looking up this six PPD and like what it does: increased ventilation, gasping, spiraling, loss of equilibrium. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I don't. I don't. I'd have to look at uh, look at that a little bit more to understand more about the mechanism of action of the six PPD on the salmon. But it, yeah, there's research here talking about how exposures can result in fish mortality within hours of a large exposure to it. So yeah, huh? Interesting.
0: And even small exposures, you know, for longer term exposure is bad as well. Yeah, and so just recently the EPA has announced that they're gonna start looking into this and many tire manufacturers are talking about how they can replace that particular chemical. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is a, a big deal that that also needs to be considered. Mm-hmm. And so because that's such an important thing, let's also talk about how to reduce our tire waste. Okay. Which is basically, you know, how can we make them last longer? First and okay. foremost, the easiest answer would be just drive less. Just walk where you want to go, you know? But if that's not an option, since the main way that you are wearing out the tires is through acceleration, again, where this is changing direction, speeding up or slowing down, the smaller your accelerations are, the better off, the longer your tires will last. Ah. So if you're at a stoplight and you want to start going, if you don't peel out, if you just slowly accelerate, your tires will
1: last longer. You don't have to keep up with the guy in the other lane who's like revving his engine Yeah. And taken off. It's not a competition.
0: It is it's kind of nice though when I that I can just I can smoke most people on the road, which is pretty cool. (laughs) But also like when you're slowing down, if you coast to the stoplight, Mm -hmm. that will save a lot more of your tires than if you slam if you go right up and slam on the brakes or you know if you do a harder brake to get up to a stop sign or stoplight or, or anything like that mm-hmm. and so coasting you know keeping it as a constant slow deceleration as long as possible that's the better way to go mm-hmm. and it turns out actually this is a problem with electric vehicles hmm. that I only recently found again because I got a flat tire um <laughs> is that EVs actually go through tires a lot faster than regular cars do oh really yeah in part because it's easy to accelerate and you don't have the engine. In a normal car, Like you, if you press it too hard, then the engine's yelling at you and stuff. But the EV is just super quiet, so you don't even know that you're doing it. But probably the bigger issue is that you never coast in an EV, right? As soon as you took, take your foot off the accelerator, and this happens with hybrid cars as well, that they have regenerative braking going on. So as soon as you take your, your foot off the accelerator, they are immediately trying to recapture that kinetic energy and put it back into the battery system right mm. which is awesome and that's saving a lot of energy and that's that's a good thing however that means that you are never coasting in an electric vehicle mm. because what's great about this is that it's taking your brake pads are not being used very often and you hardly ever re- have to replace those in an EV but you are decelerating a lot more than you would normally in a car normally you would when you're coming up to a stop sign or something you would coast for a little bit and then apply a brake mm. and in an EV as soon as you take your foot off to slow down at all it's doing the regenerative braking to slow you down a lot more than you would normally have to do i see and you actually have to get used to like just lifting up your foot a little bit more the driving is a little bit different with this type yeah. of braking anyway and so for that reason tires wear out about twice as fast on an EV than they would in another car and really mm. that ex- that factor of 2 is really coming from the fact that you have acceleration but it's the deceleration part is where you're really wearing it down a lot more
1: so Oh, I see there's a trade-off because what what you are wearing out on the tires you are not wearing out on the brakes and right on the uh then there's the energy recapture benefits so yeah okay so it's not like a increased wear and tear on the tire to no benefit right is what I'm saying
0: yeah but like in anything with engineering or anything like that there are always some trade-offs, pluses and minuses, and and no. this is one that I I was not aware of until I
1: ran into it uh-huh. or ran over it or something. Ran over, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, well, cool. Tires have actually been on my mind recently because uh, this tire issue for my my vehicle, and thinking about like uh, what snow tires we should get for the winter, and yeah. All this kind of stuff. It's the time of the year is when I start to think about these things. So, yeah. Well, these good for some... you that Les Schwab is having a sale right now. Call. Well, thanks, Mike. That was interesting.
0: All right. This episode was recorded on the beautiful campus of Linfield University. Rudy Ortega wrote our theme music. If you're not tired of this episode or others like it, you should subscribe to the podcast. That way, you'll download the latest episode as soon as it becomes available. While there, leave a comment and a rating, and that'll help other people find our podcast. If you have ideas that you want to know more about or have questions about nature, email us at crisscrossingsidegmail.com, all one word, all lowercase, or hit us up on Facebook. Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: Oh, it's about tires yeah who saw that coming who would
0: who woke up this morning and was like you know what would be a really interesting topic to think about this guy thought that this guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>